It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> Kids classes, man. They're learning great stuff back there. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, my kids love children's church. Uh, they think it's the greatest thing. They come back and like they have they have their verses they're memorized. And I ask them, and it's funny because it's like it's like week to week. I have no idea what they're gonna say uh, because sometimes we'll go home and, and over lunch I'll say, so what did you guys talk about in children's church this morning? And they go, I don't know. Like, come on, yes you do. They're just being shy. And then other weeks we don't even get home and they're like, Dad, guess what we did this week. Right? So it's just funny how different things connect with different people. And, uh, and it's the same with kids and it's the same with us. There are different things that connect with each of us. There are different pieces and different, uh, different illustrations that connect with us. And it's why, it's why we've been doing this series, a storyteller series. Jesus used stories as a way, as a way to connect with people. And so I hope, because this is, this is our last Sunday in the storyteller series, I hope that there's been at least one story over the last six weeks that is connected with you. Um, because Jesus was a great storyteller. I hope there's been at least one. Uh, but today's story, today's story is one that connects to all of us. And uh, so today's story is going to hit, hit home a little more personal. Uh, and I realized that this week as I was, as I was working on this message, uh, just how close to home this hits. And, and I have to tell you, uh, it's going to, it's, it's, this is one of those interesting weeks. I wrote my message and I had an idea of where I was going. And then I went to this event yesterday, uh, and, uh, God just hit me that I'd gone the wrong direction. <laughs> so, uh, so what I've got for you this morning was prepared yesterday on my two and a half hour drive home from Lafayette, um, because that's what God told me to do. <laughs> so, so that's what we're going to do. Our story this morning, uh, it's called the parable of the lost son. It's in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and our reading is a little bit longer, so bear with me this morning. Uh, but it's a story that if you've been in the church for more than five minutes, you're probably familiar with. Um, Jesus is talking in Luke 15 about uh, the importance of things that are lost being found. And so before this story, you have the parable of the lost sheep and, and the idea that the shepherd goes off and he, he searches for this one lost sheep. And then, and then you have the parable of the lost coin, uh, about a woman who lights a lamp and she searches the whole house for this coin she can't find. And then you have this parable of the lost son. And it goes like this. It starts in Luke 15, verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, 
Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So this story, this story I think is a tough one to read because it applies to all of us. And the, the hard part about this story is that it applies to us in multiple ways. And that's why, that's why I say that yesterday I kind of switched gears with where I was headed here. Uh, because I think all of us at some point in our lives have likely been in the shoes of the Father. Somebody in our life has caused us wrong. Somebody in our life has not done what we had hoped they would do. Despite our love and our care for that relationship, they've chosen to go somewhere else. And in this story, it's a child. And for some reason, if with children, it especially hits home. And maybe it's because we remember the season like the one that my kids are in. When we were pulling our hair out to keep them alive. <laughs> when, when the demands were so weighty. And yet we kept going. And then, then you get into the teenager years. No offense, teenagers. I remember my mother-in-law talking about uh, junior year of high school was the single hardest year for all four of her children. <laughs> it was the year she thought, this is it. This is the time I go to jail. <laughs> and with each kid, with each kid, she still made it through and she still made it through. So you go through those hard times, but man, you have the hard times, but kids have this way of saying the right thing at the right time. And oh, it breaks your heart the opposite direction. You're like, oh, I love this kid. But being a parent is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> there are ups and there are downs and there are super high highs and there are really low lows. But we push through and we, and we raise them up and we do the best that we can. And there is something extremely heartbreaking when you put in so much work and you work and you work so hard to give your kid what you can give them and to raise them the right way and to do the right things. There is something really hard when your kid decides that's not for them. That maybe, maybe I need to go off on my own, make my own way. I know that's hard for parents. I know that's hard because I remember uh, every teenager does it. I did it. 
You go off and you're like, I'm going to make my own way. And there's a part of your parents, there's a part of your parent that's like, this is great. This is what I raised my kid to do, to be an adult and to make decisions. And there's another part of you that thinks, are they going to make the right ones? And in this story, we have the, the unfortunate instance where the son doesn't make the right ones. He takes everything he has and it says he just, he squanders it. Right? If you think about it in our, in, our contemporary, uh, in our contemporary culture, especially in the U.S., we have, we have Vegas is sort of like the sign of all things when it comes to gambling. And, you know, we call it Sin City, right? That's the reason it's called that. So, so imagine in this story, essentially what this guy's son does is he says, I want you to give me all my inheritance so I can go gamble it away in Vegas. And that's what he does. And he goes and he ends up with nothing. In fact, it says he's so poor, he's feeding pigs, and he's jealous of the pigs because they get better food than he does. So in this story, it hits home for us because especially uh, if you're a parent and, you're, and your kid has maybe not gone the way you wanted, this, home, this story is hard because you've been there. You know what it's like, that heartache that the father feels. You know exactly why that father is watching the horizon for the day his kid comes home. It's hard. And I think sometimes it's also easy to resonate with the second brother. Because the second brother has made all the right decisions, right? And in church, we are really good at assuming that's us, <laughs> If he's making the right call, I'm in church this morning. That must be me because I made the right call this morning. <laughs> so I must be the son that's done the right things. I've made good decisions, right? The son, the son has a, a great job. He's been working for his dad, doing all the right things. He hasn't squandered off his wealth. He hasn't done all these crazy things. And so when his brother comes home and there's celebration, he's a little bit indignant. He says, I made, I made all the right decisions. Why are we celebrating him? He made all the wrong decisions. He did all the wrong things. Why are we happy he's back? There's this idea of what justice looks like. And, and for a lot of us, when we see those moments where, where people are, are restored and we think, that can't be. Or maybe even the brother went so far, because sometimes we do this too, we think, well, he's faking. If he had gone and used his wealth and it wasn't all gone, he wouldn't be back. He's only back because he needs something. He'll be gone again eventually. And we have these thoughts. And it's so easy to slip into the attitude of that, that second brother as opposed to the dad who's just thrilled to see his kid again. He thought his kid was dead. The brother can't get past that. And honestly, that's, that's where I was going to focus a lot this morning. <laughs> Because the church, so much, we've been the second brother. The church, for so long, we were the judgmental, finger-pointing, how dare you? You get your life in order, then you come visit us. And we're so backwards. So backwards. And so I had this great... It's great peace. We were going we to repent together of all the times where we've judged people. And, and don't get me wrong, we should still do that. But here's, here's really where I felt uh, the Lord leading me this weekend. Um, it's funny in this story, we almost never resonate with the first brother. 
Almost never do we look back at our lives and we think, man, I made so many stupid decisions. I've done so many things that have hurt the people around me by my poor decision making. Because what we do is we, we justify a little bit. We put ourselves on a scale and we say, you know, I did these bad things, but I did these good things too. I did these good things. And so often we just, we kind of put off that first brother. We're like, well, he was just, I wasn't that bad, right? That's, that's the kind of the phrasing we use. I wasn't that bad, right? I didn't go gamble away my wealth. In fact, this one even says he was using it on prostitutes, right? So like he's wasting it, wasting his life, risking his life. We don't like to resonate with him because we don't want to think that you know, maybe in my relationship with God, maybe that's who I've been. Because what we want to convince ourselves of is because, because I go to church every Sunday and I, and I attend my weekly Bible study or my weekly small group or, or I, I give occasionally to the window in downtown, we convince ourselves that if we do enough right things, we can earn our way back into the Father's grace. And what I love in this story is that the son, the son really only does one thing. He just repents. <laughs> That's it. He comes back and he says, I've been so stupid. <laughs> Dad, I made the wrong decisions. He owned that where he was was not where he'd like to be. And so this morning, I would guess that most of us if we're being honest, if we took an assessment of our lives, we're going to look and we're going to go, okay, I did, I did these things that are really bad, but I also did these good things. I, maybe I come out even. <laughs> but what we do is we justify ourselves. We, we justify our way around repentance. We justify our way around confession and part of it is, it is that we are part of a, we're not, uh, there is this sort of historical move away from confession because of the way the Catholic Church does it. So when we hear confession, we think of Pastor Chad is sitting in a box and I'm telling him all my secrets that I don't really want to tell him anyway. But scripturally, confession is important. In fact, it's uh, in the New Testament, it says that we should confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed healing and, and new life comes from being able to confess. Which is great, except that in our little scenario here, what we've done is we've, we've circumvented the need to confess. I don't need to admit that I've done wrong things. I don't need to sit or, or kneel before God because he already knows that and God loves me. And you're right. He does love you. The father loved the son so much. You get this impression that he's been every day. He goes and he sits on the porch and he watches and just waits, hoping his kid is coming down the road. And it says he, he runs to his son. Right now, if you, if you do some cultural research without getting too deep into this, uh, men don't run culturally. <laughs> they didn't run. But this dad, he was so thrilled to see his kid. He runs. He runs to his kid. He throws a party with this kid has come home. Kid, he has no clue what he's even done yet. <laughs> you guys notice that? The kid did not even have a chance to confess before the father ran to him. 
It was only when he comes and he feels the father's embrace and he says, Dad, I've messed up. I've messed up. And it's the moment that, especially for, for you parents this morning who feel like your kid is, has strayed in some way. Maybe it's they've strayed from some faith that you've raised them in. Maybe it's that they've strayed like this guy. They've gone and they've wasted everything. Their life is a mess. And you keep praying, God, bring them to sense, bring them to sense, bring them to sense. You long for this moment. For this moment when you can embrace your kid, when they own the mess. But when's the last time we did that with God? When's the last time we owned our mess before God? That instead of working our way around it, when's the last time we just said, God, I messed up. I've made a mess. And you might, I want to encourage you this morning, because the tendency you're going to have as somebody who's sitting in church on a Sunday morning, your tendency is going to say, my life's not a mess. Everything's fine. My job's great. My marriage is great. Kids are great. Everything's great. Okay, now if you can honestly say that, kudos. Because <laughs> you are probably in the minority this morning. <laughs> because all of us have got some area of our lives that we'd rather not tell God about. That we'd rather not have to come running home and beg God for repentance, for forgiveness. So what I really feel this morning, what I really want to invite you to in these next few moments is, is pretty simple. Uh, I want you to knock it off. I want us to just stop for a moment with this justifying and this, this trying to figure out, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I, you know, it doesn't matter right now. Because <laughs> scripture says that it's by grace that we are saved. So you can do all good works you want. God's going to love you anyway. You can do all the bad things you want. He's going to love you anyway. You notice in the story, the father loves both sons. He doesn't love one more than the other. He loves them both. But here's, here's what I want you, the final thing I want you to pick up on here. As we, we're going to go into a moment where I'm going to give you a chance to confess. You're not going to confess to me. Don't worry. You don't have to tell me your secrets. Uh, but I'm going to give you some altar time to where you can just pour out your heart before God. Where you can metaphorically or physically, if you really want to, you can run to God this morning. But here's the thing. The second son... Second son thought his life was good and he had it all figured out. But guess what? His heart was just as much of a mess as his brother's. And it's pretty obvious by the way that he treats his brother that his heart was just as much of a mess as his brother. He had made some good outward decisions, but his heart was still messed up. And so look, if, if you want to... If you want to say you've got it all figured out this morning, by all means, you can do that. And I'm not going to force you to do anything. But if, like me, you think about your life and you think, man, I really haven't, I really haven't gone to God in a minute. It's been a while since I could say that I, that I ran to God to be embraced. Then maybe it's time to do that.
Maybe it's time to say, all right, God, I've been running. I've been out there doing my thing and I'm going to need some help because I've messed up. I've got the wrong heart, the wrong mind, the wrong fill in the blank. And let me tell you, I'll, I will just, just to, to spur you on a little bit in this, uh, I'm going to share my own moment of confession. Uh, and, and here's why. Uh, when I was in, in seminary and in my, my training, uh, one of the things they often tell you is that as a pastor, there are things you shouldn't and shouldn't tell your congregation, uh, you know, because you're their pastor and, you, you know, they got to be able to look up to you and, you know, like, you, don't, you can't let them know you're junk, right? Uh, I'm going to break that rule because I think that's ridiculous. And here's why. Uh, I, might, I might be your pastor, but I got just as much mess as you do and probably some more. I got stories. So, so I want to share. I want to share this morning a moment, and and this this was my uh, my prodigal moment in my life, uh, the moment where up until this morning, I've been the second brother. Literally, um, I have a brother and a sister, <laughs> and uh, a number of years ago, my sister, who's a few years younger than I am, um, my sister packed up and left overnight. Uh, we didn't hear from her for six months. Uh, I found out through a friend that she had gotten married and uh, had moved off somewhere. I, we hadn't heard from her in months. In months. And I was so bitter. So bitter. Uh, because she just left. Just left. And, and then when she came back, she was married. She had another kid. And all this stuff had happened and. I hadn't seen her in a year. And so my sister has been back for some time now. Uh, and, uh, and I have still, I mean, that was probably eight, seven or eight years ago. And I find that even, even this week, uh, I, last weekend I officiated my cousin's wedding. Uh, I have the, one of the great pleasures of my job is getting to do weddings. Uh, they're fun. They're super simple. And I can mess up all I want because nobody cares because it's not about me. Uh, they're great. <laughs> they're great. Uh, so I did my cousin's wedding and uh, my sister was in the wedding. And I realized last weekend uh, that I still had some confessing to do. <laughs> that I still had some confessing to do. And so I share that with you this morning to say this. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be the brother who's in need. I know what it's like to be the brother who's judgmental. And man, did God hit me hard this week that as much as I thought I had things figured out, I was still messed up. And so this morning, I want to just invite you into a time of prayer and confession with me. Again, you don't have to confess it to me. If you want to, it, there's definitely, I mean, there's scriptural grounds. If you want to confess it to somebody, by all means, let me know. I will we'll find some private space to do that. But when's the last time you just confessed before God? I said, God, I want to own that these are the places in my life where I still have not worked, <laughs> where I've still not figured it out, where I still haven't healed and own that this morning. Own that in this story, as much as there are moments in our life where we are the Father, in this story we are almost always the Son. So I'm going to pray. 
And then uh, as the music starts, if you want to come up, you can kneel, you can, you can pull a chair up if you want to take a while, whatever you want to do. Uh, but have a moment, have your moment this morning where you run, where you run to the Father and say, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Let me pray. God, we're thankful that even when we harbor things in our hearts, when we've convinced ourselves that we're in the right, God, we're thankful that you are always waiting for us. And we're thankful this morning that you are the Father that waits. And we know today that you have been waiting for us. You've been waiting. Some of us, you've been waiting for a long time. But God, you've been waiting for us to just confess that maybe, just maybe, we're still a little messed up. And so God, I pray, I pray especially for those in the room who are feeling it hard like me this morning, I pray, God, that, we, that you would give us the strength to admit it, to pour out our hearts, as messed up as they might be, God. Give us the strength to pour them out, to release these things that we've been holding on to, to admit we've maybe made a mess. And God, I, I feel especially on my heart this morning for those who who have children or siblings or maybe even parents who have, who have been lost for a long time, who have strayed away and made a mess and have no interest in restoring what was once there. God, I pray that you'd be with them this morning. That your Holy Spirit would just fill them up. You would step into those places of deep hurt and work its healing. So God, we take these few moments and we offer ourselves to you. We lay ourselves bare before you. We come in confession in Jesus' name.